This is Podco Media Networks. Hi, Global Citizens, and welcome back. I'm Florence Adu, your host, and you're listening to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around doing something in the world. Today, I'm here with a very special woman. Her name is Ama Jampo. She is the founder of Amdeco, a consultancy focused on supporting SMEs in technology, agribusiness, and women-led enterprises across Africa. Ama, thank you for joining us today. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and and uh, your sure. craft? So, um, I am Ghanaian, but via London. Um, moved to Ghana about seven years ago with my family. I have two kids and my husband. And so we set up a business here um, to really just support more SMEs with their, you know, their management requirements, their funding requirements, um, and everything they need to kind of basically grow and sustain their businesses. Okay, wonderful. So you've already said we're your local via the UK right. and, um, and your craft. So tell us more about your background and your inspiration. Sure. Um, so obviously born to Ghanaian parents, Ashanti. Ashanti is in my house. Um, so two Ashanti parents. Grew up in London uh, with two brothers. Okay. What part of London? West London. Okay. So, um, eating one place. So, yeah, West London. Sure. Um, we moved around a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I used to come to Ghana quite often with the parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, learned to speak tree in London. So, we had the mother tongue from a very early age. Nice. Because um, my, my mother, especially, just made sure that we, we spoke the local uh, dialect very, very well at home before going back to going into the education system. So, um, yeah, so that, that was a, a very good uh, source of culture and just understanding where we came from. Sure. And physically coming back every couple of years with the family uh, for Christmas and mm-hmm. to visit the, parents, the grandparents in, in Kumasi and yeah. all that. So we had, we had a very vibrant uh, childhood just coming back and forth to Ghana on a regular basis and just really being... Um, you know, in the middle of the culture and understanding. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, our chances, we, we do things very, very traditionally. And yes. so you are immersed in the experience. When you come, it's just a total experience. Sure. Um, and so I think we had that heritage and, and, and culture at heart, really. Okay. And so what inspired you to come back from the UK, to come back to Ghana? Yeah, I think, I think just the feeling of wanting to contribute more to man and womankind and mm-hmm. just having more meaning in life okay um i came from a, a management background a project management background managing technical teams so i used to manage global teams in you know tech companies and telco companies and you know local government organizations public sector organizations and their big you know e-government and technology projects mm-hmm. but you know that gets a bit uh, monotonous after a while. It's right. like a different project, but you know, day to day, it can be a bit like Groundhog Day. Yeah. Uh, and so I felt the need for something more mm-hmm. impactful, more meaningful. And so I think after just feeling that way for a couple of years, you know, with a couple of kids and a mortgage, you know, just like, you know, what is the meaning of life? What are, what are we doing here? And right. you know, just even the work life balance with two kids and managing that kind of dynamic with a quite um, challenging job managing Australia on one end of the day and Canada on the other end of the day. It wasn't really a sustainable kind of um, work-life balanced life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we just, you know, made a decision to make a change. Okay. And uh, we literally came on holiday uh, for what was about a month and we just like could not believe the amount of change and opportunity that we were seeing, just having conversations with people 
who are creating amazing solutions to local problems. Just the energy and the vibe was very compelling. And we just decided at that point to just move to Ghana. Okay. Wow. So how did that work logistically? Like We literally went back to London, packed up our stuff, rented out our place, put everything in a container. Wow. Yeah, so it was a bit all hard. Uh, yeah. Not that much analysis and planning. Sure. But we did kind of start, uh, you know, a couple of, you know, um, small enterprises to just keep us going. Okay. Um, you know, because we're, we're quite entrepreneurially spirited. Yeah. So, you know, we, we dabbled in agribusiness um, supply chain. So we were mm-hmm. helping farmers to offload and market some of their products to places like the mines and the hotels and mm-hmm. some of the supermarkets and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we did that for, for a while. Uh, we wrapped that up because of, you know, we had some challenges with the, you know, the, the import. You know, we didn't really want to be importing products as well. Sure. Because we started to import at some point to augment the original model. So we had some challenges supply sidewise. So we, we had to kind of pivot a few times and okay. just change things up a little bit. Right. And then um, decided to go into kind of property and hospitality. So okay. That's kind of like the focus now. And obviously the SME support business has always been part of me. So I've been working with a lot of SMEs for about six years now since I six to seven years almost since we, we first arrived in Ghana mm. to just help them to access grants you know, mm-hmm. to build their skills capacity mm-hmm. to train their staff to access funding through grants so through the World Bank or you know, Danida which is the Danish development agency so I did that for a little while and then now more into the early stage investment of SMEs I'm very passionate about women in business in particular sure. just how do we help them how do we design products and services that suit them and the way that they live and they have to work so that's become more of the focus of the social side of things as well as the financial as well because obviously you want the businesses to grow and be self-sustaining and profitable and to employ more people, create more jobs. Okay. So that is very much the focus. So, that, you know, the gender piece, you know, yeah. the economic development piece, the empowerment piece, and obviously the impact investing side of things as well to mm-hmm. attract more, you know, capital into the country, into the region, Africa at large, to, to have more social enterprises. So I want to talk a little bit more about that in a moment, but you've said something about properties, and we're sitting here in the Dan Residence. Right. Yeah. It's called the Dan Residence. So tell us more about the Dan Residence. So the Dan Residence is one of the spaces that we renovated, and um, it's located in East Legon, which is like a suburb of Accra, mm-hmm. not too far from, uh, not too far from town. Yeah, easy very access. central, yeah. Road networks around, and not too far from the airport, about 10 minute drive from the airport without yeah. traffic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we basically restored uh, an old property, and it's now something of a guest house. Uh, we do there are ten rooms here, and so the feel that you get is one of being at home when you come in. It's kind of like a home away from home vibe. It's not mm-hmm. a typical hotel, right. but it is full of character, and we, we kind of restored it with a lot of TLC. And people who come generally tend to stay for like a anything from a month to three months oh wow um, so short stay but extended short stay so typically someone who's coming to maybe relocate to Ghana mm. and aspirin or someone who's you know here for a specific project mm-hmm. or for a specific period of time you know this is basically their home base for a couple of months and they feel like they're living the, a real life and being a real resident in Accra sure. while they're here so of course we have staff on hand to help them if they need anything mm-hmm. uh, you know we'll refer them to our local coffee shop where we drink coffees where they drink coffee or yeah you know, where we shop is where they shop. So we give them that little, um, you know, personal touch. Yeah. And, With some luxury. Um, you have a swimming pool. Yes, we have a swimming pool. Yes. We have a little roof terrace. So yeah. Yeah, we've had some good times here. Yeah. Clients enjoy the, the space. Yeah, it's a 
very lovely. And also for events. Yes, so. we do small networking events, especially mm-hmm. for SMEs and entrepreneurs yep. and women. You know, we're always championing those causes. So we, we always welcome, uh, you know, people to come in to have a... You know, some high-powered conversations and hopefully make some some positive changes. Wonderful. Yeah, areas. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to segue into our local speak segment, where I ask my guests to share a word, phrase, or saying that is a meaningful part of your local experience, and why you've come to value that particular global speak. Global speak. Global, yeah. Local speak. Global speak. Oh, that's an interesting question. I wish I could have two. Two words. But I'd, I'd say the word chale. Ah, yeah, the word chale. Everyone can, loves chale. So give anything. me two. Yeah. So chale is like, it can be for emphasis, like chale, you know, sure. at the end of a sentence. You know, it, it just gives emphasis to something that you're saying mm-hmm. with, with people who are like minded and almost family. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one, you know, if you permit me to use the second one, I would say impact because ah, okay. impact for me it's, it's something that I hear a lot sure. in my. In your the space. work that I do, yeah. um, you know, ecosystem building, how do we create linkages between people to mm-hmm. support more people, to create more solutions, mm-hmm. create more jobs, probably yeah. SMEs. So it's very much about the impact, the social impact. But obviously, you know, impact does also mean sustainability. You know, how long right. do you self-sustain? How do you get people away from the grants and the constant application to, right. you know, resources every year, which keep, you know, for SMEs, keeps them small. Yeah. How do you, how do you keep them profitable? How self-sustaining? How do you, how do you make that actually happen to have a meaningful impact on people's lives, a multiplier effect? And I think that's key, what you say, meaningful impact, particularly in our market, right? We're in an emerging market where there's there are quite a few attempts to do something. And so the idea of impact is currency in, in most people's minds. So how do you measure impact in your work? That's a very good question. It's one that we as practitioners are, are grappling with. So I, I'm a founding member of Impact Investing Ghana. Mm-hmm. Um, we launched in June of this year, 2019. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. So it's a team, a whole team of uh, you know consultants, SME, you know advisors, venture capitalists, um, you know who came together to kind of basically make an impact on uh, sorry, pardon the phrase, <laughs> on, on, the, on the ecosystem, the entrepreneurship ecosystem, to basically figure out how we can convene people advocate for policy changes that would enable more, um, you know, impact funds globally to be attracted into the space, mm-hmm. uh, to this particular market to support more people in business with a social conscience, if you, if you mm-hmm. know, that have, you know, uh, the ability to make profit as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, any investor, anyone's going to bring money, they're going to want to see their money at the end of the day and, and a good margin, healthy margin as well. So when you say looking at healthy margins and things like that, is that part of what you're using to measure impact or, you yeah, know, looking at the entrepreneurial landscape? Mm-hmm. If you describe what the landscape looks like and then what you envision it looking like based on your work, what's sure. that trajectory? Okay, so, so at the moment, of course, we have a lot of, you know, debt um, offerings. You know, if you go to the local bank in, in Ghana or Nigeria, anywhere on the continent, you, you're looking at typically very high interest rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if for an overdraft, they're going to ask you for collateral. Right. It's it's really out of reach for a lot of people, and those mm-hmm. who do take on those those kinds of debt options, it is difficult to repay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just the rates and the terms are, are not always the best for SMEs, yeah. but it's just the system we're in, right? So for us, it's really about figuring out how we can offer alternatives to, especially social enterprises, enterprises that serve a, a market need for broad swath of people mm-hmm. but with a social impact as well so that could mean job creation it could mean access to services mm-hmm. it could mean improvement in livelihoods it could be any of those kinds of measures so our goal really as you know as an ecosystem as a collective is really to 
prepare more of the local social enterprises for external conversations, for people to come in from outside and say, look, we can assess your business on a, on a purely numbers base, based on the numbers that you're serving, you know, what is the market potential for the product you're using. Mm-hmm. It's not about, you know, big margins on a particular um, product. It's about really the margin. It's a volume kind of thing. Okay. If everyone's paying a dollar for a particular service and you have a million users, and then maybe next year you can look at five million users and next, you know, okay. et cetera, et cetera. Then that can be- becomes a, a compelling investment case. Okay. And of course, by the way, it has a social impact as well. Got it. So we're trying to steer the conversation towards that kind of thing mm-hmm. where we have more options available to SMEs in particular that serve a social need with a, with a profitable um, out, outlook for their businesses. Getting a little bit deeper into what a day looks like for you working with these entrepreneurs. Give me an example of a social enterprise that you work with and what the workflow is for you to take them on and then present them to an investor or someone who can help them with the next phase of their work. We are looking at designing specific programs to help them. Oh, okay. So we're not there yet with the social enterprise conversation. Oh, okay. So right now it's very much at the foundation laying stage. Ah, okay. And we're having to figure out what kind of programs we need to what kind of trainings we have to take them through to get to a certain level. How will we measure impact? Mm. How are we going to what kind of uh, key performance indicators mm. are we going to measure? Be measuring. Mm along the way in terms of, you know, revenues, uh, you know, Got it. The business plan the business of it all. Planning, you know, because a lot of conversations are in that space is all about the NGOs and right. you know, lots of other problems. But these are all potential market um, right. opportunities, right? right? So it's really about shifting the conversation a bit more mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. say, look, you know, there are challenges. You know, for example, insurance companies now, some of them are collecting premiums on a daily basis. Wow. As opposed to the monthly premium that we're all used to, say, in right. the States or the UK. Right. Because day by day, that woman or that guy can afford $1 a day. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. they won't feel it. But if you lump them with a $50 premium or $30 premium Every at the end of, end of the month, yeah. or it becomes a little bit more prohibitive and they probably won't continue with the premium. Sure. So these sure. are all ways that you can kind of shift. Ah, Okay. And help you know, business planning. Design, yes, yes. Business planning, yeah. designing your products a bit better to okay. see the local market. Okay. Do you see what I mean? Sure, so, sure, so sure. It's those kinds of things that we are having to um, adjust in terms of strategy, in terms of execution. And then, you know, we're looking at research and data and mm-hmm. understanding of the requirements on the ground to then create solutions that are relevant. And then we can then get these um, enterprises ready for investment conversation. Okay. I, I get it. I understand. But also, strategically, we need to look at policy. We need to look at advocacy. We need to look at building the ecosystem itself mm-hmm. to get more people involved. So whether it's you know entrepreneurs themselves mm-hmm. and then those who are obviously going to be bringing in the funds and so the investors mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. and everything in between. You know, the consultants like myself, the business development professionals who support the SMBs. It's a whole chain and a whole yeah. ecosystem. So it's really impact investing. Ghana is really about that whole ecosystem and, and kind of designing that in a way that is effective and then we can actually, you know, match the problems with the solutions on the products. Okay. That's very visionary. We'll try. <laughs> We're looking forward to seeing the vision 2020. Yes. <laughs> very excited. We're working very hard towards that. Indeed. Indeed. You have your eye or your vision on the pulse of, particularly for women. So when you talk about supporting women and looking at female-run SMEs, 
What are some of the trends that you're finding, some of the obstacles that are particular to them that you see as opportunities, not only for yourself to address, to support them, but also policy just across the board? How do we focus on uplifting female-run enterprises? Yeah, I mean, I think we have, uh, you know, we have quite a few things we need to get together. I think women on a micro level are very much happy with the small, in the SME, like the small, small, mm-hmm. SME, small, you know, and yeah. then it's just enough to kind of just survive, right? Sure. Of course, there are circumstantial and environmental factors to that, societal factors to that. Mm-hmm. And that's another issue in terms of building their confidence to believe in themselves, mm-hmm. they can do more, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Especially in the context of Africa. Yes. And women generally, we don't like to blow our trumpets. Like a guy would be maybe more, more bold in stating the, the, the very yeah. has, but a woman would be like, oh, you know, I don't have much. And, you know, very kind of, you know, downplaying what, what you know, what they're able to do. Yes. And, and there may be a real start, you know? Right. So I think the confidence and working on those kinds of soft skills are very important for women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think on a macro level, stuff like, you know, what we call gender lens investing, you know, mm. if we're creating a, an investment strategy for a financial organization to kind of invest in women, what does that design look like? What kind of services, what kind of products would women actually find more useful than what is mainstream? Mm-hmm. You know, women are known to obviously be better at paying back debt. Maybe if you could reduce them rates for women that would yeah. be helpful as opposed to having a blanket offering for everybody right. to recognize the fact that women are you know they've got more skin in the game they've got their kids they want to move on their hands you know they have a lot more responsibility so yeah. when you invest in a woman they're like, more likely to kind of you know yeah. be committed do the right thing and be yeah. committed because they have so much more to lose so I think we all need to understand the difference between the micro stuff and the macro stuff and kind of design and and address some of those issues. Okay. I like that term, gender lens investing. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. So now we're getting to the point where I ask you about a mindset hack. So the mindset hack is uh, what your favorite or an innovative mindset hack that you can imagine or one that you know of. I like that question, mindset hack. So for me, especially with the diaspora angle, I mean, I think a lot of people come in thinking they will come and save the world, mm. come and save Africa. That's the truth. You know, come in with, you know, guilty as charged. Like, sure. I, I used to probably used to think a certain way. But, you know, there are brilliant people, uh, brilliant minds, very well educated. They know what they're doing. They have great plans, great energy, great spirit, great integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I meet those people every day. So I think, you know, park your ego at the airport on the other side before you get on the plane because you'd be very surprised. Perfect. Yeah, big, big yeah, yeah. park your ego. Yeah, you drop in dimes. Your, yeah, come and be open-minded. Yeah. And of course, people come and they think they want to come but they're nowhere near ready. Yeah. They come and everything's a complaint. Everything's like, oh, it's not like this in the States. Or yeah. It's not like London. Right. It's, it's not, is it? Right. You know, it's a totally different experience. So right. the benchmarking um, and the critiquing, it's, it's just not going to help you. Uh huh. Kind of it's very true. Very open mind and, yeah. and just know that you have to have the mind to get through some of the yeah. challenges. Yeah. Yes, it's not perfect. We all yeah. know about the challenges. We're not going to talk about those today. Yeah. Um, but it really is looking through that and, and finding the diamonds in the rough. I really like that. Park your ego at the airport yeah. on arrival. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. that's a great one. Okay, so we're at the end of our conversation. It's been very fun. But before we go, I have one question for you. Okay. What are you watching these days? 
Oh wow! <laughs> I'm watching Narcos on. Ah, Netflix. okay. Narcos, N A R C O S. Yes. Yes. Are you familiar with Narcos? I've seen the preview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Pablo Escobar's mm-hmm. story, which I find very fascinating, and it very much is. Yeah, very yeah. fascinating. Just the layers of complexity of the of the man that was has become this legend. Right? Sure. I just stumbled across uh, my husband actually watching it. And I was yeah. Hooked. Yeah, just, just just by the rise to prominence and how he really infiltrated, you know, the, the entire whole system, the, the whole system, and it's a totally almost global, but a regional system yeah, that he's yeah. from top yeah. to bottom. Yeah. How did he build? I mean, from becoming a petty smuggler to becoming what he he's remembered for. Sure, I think that was quite. It's quite remarkable just watching and understanding what he had to go through to. Together. Does it give you any business insights when you watch yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It does like organizational structure. Right. And, you know, it's true. I was actually watching yeah. it with a bit of a management lens on exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So I was, yeah. yeah, I, had, yeah. I had a bit of, I, I can learn a thing or two from this. this. Right, dead, so, dead drug dealer. Right. <laughs> but, you know, but interesting. I mean, you know, yeah. you can learn a lot from so many different genres of, of books and, and, uh, yeah. and movies. And yeah, stuff. creative. Just, yeah, yeah. So, so interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's not my usual cup of tea. Like, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't normally go for uh, that kind of uh, thing, uh, but uh, I was totally um, surprised. Okay, pleasant, pleasant surprised engaged. By, by just, okay, yeah, just, narcos. Uh, by narcos. Okay, so, yeah. so that's the tail end yeah. of our conversation. Any final last words for our audience? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, Africa is having a moment, and I think, you know, we're all very fortunate not to be worrying about a world war there's so much in history that's happened, you know. Mm-hmm. We, this is our time to kind of do something amazing as a collective of people who have, you know, blood and ancestral ties to this beautiful continent of Africa. So I would encourage everyone to have an open mind mm-hmm. and to see how we can really strengthen the ties and the linkages between mm-hmm. Africa and those who are outside of the diaspora. I think it's a two-way street. Yes. Uh, not everyone's going to move to Africa and come back home and in quotes and all that kind of stuff. It's not for everybody. But I think, you know, wherever you are on the planet, there are things that you can do to maintain linkages and also take Africa to the world. Now, I think that's, that's really what some of us are here to do, just to keep the connection going. Nice. It's an opportunity for everybody. Nice. Keep up the good work. Thank you. We're so happy that you joined us. So that's all for Global Citizens this week. I want to say thank you again, Ama. It was wonderful having this conversation. Global Citizens, we'll see you next time. Thanks again. I'm Florence Adu, and I am a Glocal Citizen. Six years ago, I decided it was time to take the next big step in my life, and my feet landed back where my story began, in Accra, Ghana. I came with a specific task, not just to live and learn the ways and wants of my motherland. I came to do something. Doing something meant many things. It meant tuning my ear to new vernaculars, It meant accepting the limitations and acknowledging the advantages of building and growing a business in a new land. It meant establishing new connections, especially with myself. Today, I'm CEO and co-founder of Leap Transmedia, an expression of my passion, seeding and sowing a vision for improving education and economic outcomes for Ghanaians and Africans across the diaspora. Do you dream about doing something abroad? Then consider the Glocal Citizens podcast required listening in the due diligence, trusted advisor, 
and inspiration department. Each episode, I visit with dynamic diasporans making local and global impact, designing and applying their craft. We explore how their passions have rooted them throughout their lives, while at the same time feeding the branches compelling them to keep reaching beyond. We discuss the personal and professional dimensions of global citizenship. And we round out the discussion with a deep dive into the business of their business, covering the technical and operational components of the work of doing something. Tune up your borderless mindset and join me as I crowd in the serious and sustained grassroots aesthetic of global citizens, highlighting the positive, progressive accomplishments unfolding across the globe. You can always find us at globalcitizenspod.com. See you soon.